Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. God has got so many goals for us. He has set us up for his victory. So turn with me because God is going to teach us how to stand on the rock. Turn with me, please. Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to read from verse 12. We'll give a bit of a backstory to it later, but let me just read the passage that I feel God wants you to hear today. Let me read the passage that I feel God wants to speak into your life today. Exodus chapter 33 from verse 12, and it says this. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, You say to me, bring up these people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I might know you, so that I might find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he, Yahweh, our God, said to Moses, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. That's the one for this week. Anyone else grabbing a hold of that? Then he said to him, then Moses said back to Yahweh, our God, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all other people who are upon the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness Pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to who I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said to me, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, But behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on a rock, and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft on the rock and will cover you. In my hand until I have passed you by. There is a place by me. Just say that. There is a place. God has prepared a place by him on the rock where we can stand. That rock is Jesus Christ. We can stand on the name of Jesus Christ. And I just want to talk a little bit. Let me give you a bit of a backstory about this passage I find myself reading it over and over again, and it's, it's, we know that it's one of Moses' prayer to the Lord. But it almost feels like he's, he's begging, like he's pleading, and he's telling God, but you said that you know me by name, so would you do this? You said that you're going to give me favor, would you do this? You said that your presence will go with me, so would you do this? And I find myself thinking, why? What, what's, what's going on in this point? And I want to just tell you, In the journey of the people of God, at that point in their history, God was highlighting a middle moment. Say middle moment. 
He's meeting us in the middle. You see, God had told his people, I will lead you out of exile. I will take you out of slavery. I'm bringing you out of a land uh, where you've been under oppression. And I'm going to take you into a land. The Bible calls it a milk and honey. I'll take you into a land of blessing and of promise. What would milk and honey be in black country terms? A land of pork scratching and pork pies. I don't know, whatever your blessing is. Apple juice, pomegranate juice, yeah, I like that. God, God had a plan for them, but they weren't there yet. He had taken them out of the, the, the uh, prison, and they had yet to fulfill the promise. But here in the middle, God was having to deal with them because something had happened. They had worshipped a golden idol, uh, a golden calf. Moses, their leader, went up the mountain to seek the Lord. God was giving him blueprints. God was giving him patterns. God was giving them the way that they should live to be called the people of God. There was something that had to distinguish them. And while Moses was up, the people said, hey, where's our leader? You see, they were so used to living underneath the ways of Egypt. They were so used to be living under slave drivers. They were so used to be living under uh, someone telling them what, was to, what they had to do under the compulsory nature of the leadership, under the heavy hand of, of Pharaoh, that when they didn't have someone for 40 days, they said, we need to be under something. And they told Aaron, make us a golden calf. We need to see this. We need to know what it's like. You see, God is having to take them from Egypt, and you've probably heard this many times, and I love this saying, God could take his people out of Egypt, but it took him a while to take Egypt out of his people. And that was what the middle was. They were in the middle. God had removed them geographically. God had removed them physically. But there was an internal change that had to happen, and they were here in the middle. And in the middle, after they had done this, you see Hagar from last week, she was caught in the middle because of just general circumstances in our lives. We get caught in the middle for those things. But here the people of God were caught in the middle because of their behaviors and the way that they had conducted their lives. These are also things that we can get caught in the middle. But here's the word of the Lord for you. No matter what situation has put you in that place, there is a place prepared for you where you can stand. The God who sees you also provides a rock. And that, that rock speaks of Jesus. And I know I mentioned, you know, we're, we're standing on this side of the cross. But even for the people of God, thousands of years before Jesus went to the cross, that was still the moment that they were looking to. The cross is the central point in all of history. Because of Jesus Christ on the cross, he truly has become our cornerstone. He truly is the one that all of history pivots upon this moment that we get to celebrate, that we get to enjoy, but we get to live in the fruit of. And so here's God's people. God says to Moses earlier on in chapter 33, forget it, mate. Not quite, that's a Ryan paraphrase, but he says, forget it, Moses. You go take the promised land, okay? You can still have that, but I'm going to send an angel with you. Not the angel of the Lord that we heard about last week. Not a theophany, not the Lord himself in angelic form, just an angel. He's going to go with you. And hear what God is saying. Listen to this. He's saying to his people, you can still have everything I promised, but you can't have my presence. You see, moments when we find ourselves in the middle are moments where God actually wants to bring about the greatest challenges and the greatest questions in our lives. Are we happy just to have the blessing of the Lord and not the ways of the Lord? 
Are we happy just to have the gifts of the Lord and not the giver, the Lord himself? Do we seek just the hand of the Lord and not the face of the Lord? You see, God is saying to his people, you can go and you can take the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. And all of a sudden, Moses' prayer makes sense. Why does he petition God? You haven't told us who you're going to send with us. Why does he petition God? But God, I found favor. You see, God wasn't saying, God wasn't saying, I've given up on you and I'm withdrawing from you. He was placing this as a challenge to his people. What is the most valuable thing for you while you're caught in the middle? I want to say that over your life. In the middle season that you're in, what is the most valuable thing to you? In the middle of what you're going through, what is the thing that you say, God, even if I have everything that I think you've said to me that I'm going for in the goal, my one value is your presence. And that's what happens in the middle, isn't it? When we, we, can, we can get excited by the Lord for something he said we're going to achieve, do, receive. And when we get in the middle and it seems so far away, we think, do I give up on the goal? Do I give up on the one who said it to me? What do I do? And we're at that point where God said, where we say to the Lord, I just want you. I just need you. And these challenging moments, they've happened all throughout the Bible. Let me tell you a couple of them. King David is promised by the prophet Samuel that he will be anointed king. He was actually anointed king, but he wasn't king of the kingdom. In actual fact, he was chased down like a dog. He was hunted. He had to pretend to be a madman. He hid away in caves. And yet the very kingdom that he was called to inherit was the kingdom that was trying to kill him, trying to chase him down. And in the middle moment, there came a time where the, the perpetrator of this ill against him, King Saul, was lying in a cave asleep. And David walked in and he could have killed him right there and then and taken the kingdom, taken the very thing that God had offered to him. But in that moment, he had a choice. He had a challenge. What do I want more than anything else? Do I want the king of the kingdom, God Almighty, or do I want just the stuff? And just to prove the point, he cut the edge of Saul's robe off, ran a couple hundred meters away and woke up Saul by shouting, I could have taken your life, but I didn't. And even that was too much for David's conscience because he had touched the anointed one. You see, there comes points where we are given a challenge. What is most important to you? What about King David's son, Solomon? Here he is having a, a, he's just gone to worship the Lord in one of the sites that God set aside for that. And he's in the middle of the night, he has a vision. And God comes to him and says to him, Solomon, anything you want, I will give it to you. Anything you want, just name it and it is yours. Now, just think about that for a minute, okay? Can we be honest with each other? I grew up watching um, Aladdin, okay? And wouldn't it be amazing that you could just rub a lamp and that some powerful genie being would say, hey, whatever you want, it's yours. Can you imagine being given a blank check like that? Can you imagine... Not just a genie now, but the king of the universe. God Almighty saying, hey, what do you want? Jim, what do you want? Anything you want. Darren, what do you want? And I know you're thinking, hmm, there's about three or four lenses I could do with right now. You know, younger me was like, well, well, God, you know, I really like this house. I like this guitar. I like this. Our minds go there. Let's be honest, right? This is the challenge. But Solomon realizes, hold on. There's something more valuable in the midst of my questioning than everything else. And he asks for wisdom. 
God says to him, you've, you've done well. Because you've asked for that, I'll give you that. But that will be the key, actually, that unlocks everything else in your life. There's a third time, because this, I love to talk about Jesus, okay? God is challenging us in the midst of what we're going through. Do not give up. God hasn't given up on you. Sometimes it feels like when you're in the middle of it, you can feel, where are you, God? Where are you in the midst of what I'm facing? Where are you in the midst of what I'm going through? And God is saying that to his people, Israel, here in Exodus chapter 33. You can have it, but you won't have me. He's putting this challenge. And it might feel like I've been forgotten. It might feel like you've been forgotten. It might feel like you've been left behind. But God is offering you this challenge. What's actually the most important thing? And we see it even in Jesus. Jesus and the 40 days that he appeared to his disciples after his resurrection, it's in Luke chapter 24. He hangs out with two disciples and they're walking, the Bible says, on the road on the way to Emmaus. And he's walking with them and they're caught in the middle. They've given three years of their life to follow Jesus. It hasn't panned out how they expected it. Anything not panned out how you expected it? We've been through those moments in our lives. Oh, I had great dreams and aspirations, and I thought God was telling me that it hasn't panned out how I, how, I expect, how I expected it. And here they are, their hopes dashed, their futures shattered, their king, their leader, their rabbi crucified. And they're walking along the road to Emmaus, and a man turns up, and he asks them all these questions. And they say to him, where have you been? Haven't you heard these things that have happened? Where, where have you been? And, and Jesus says, no, what things, you know, and, and he's asking them. And, and they, they begin to tell him about Jesus crucified, and Jesus begins to talk to them through the scriptures. See, he gives them hope in the middle. But he doesn't tell them that he's Jesus. And then what happens is as they reach Emmaus, Jesus turns as if to walk away. And the disciples say, no, would you stay with me? You see what, there's this point, this challenge that comes where we say, no, God, the most important thing to me is you. The most important thing to me is your presence. I've come so far down this, this road, and I know that what I need more than anything else is the presence of God. And if we're here in the middle, God creates a place for you in the rock where you say, the rock is enough. Jesus Christ, you are more than enough. Jesus Christ, you are all I need. And I want, I want to give you that hope that that's the place you're in. But I also want to give you this hope. Um, I had a, a, wonderful, a wonderful weekend and somebody has, given, has made me a, an incredible book with all the pictures of some, some highlights in my life. And as I'm looking through it with my family, uh, there's tears coming through my eyes because there's something about hindsight, right? When you look back at what you've been through and you realize just how faithful God has been with me. But there was a moment, I'm just going to, we started this year, we talked a little bit about vulnerability. And if our weaknesses can actually equip you for victory, then so be it. I don't mind looking like a fool, you know. But there's, there was a season in our life, the year was 2019, where I was facing a crisis of destiny. People talk about crisis of faith. People talk about crisis and things that they go through that are very, very difficult. Let me tell you, I didn't have that. I never lost my faith in my Savior. 
but I did find myself like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, like David in the cave with Saul, like Israel, waiting here to see what the Lord will do to them, the challenge that God's asking him, between a rock and a hard place, between what I had done and where I thought I was going, and where I thought I was going didn't look like where I had been, and I didn't know what to do, and I had a a, a crisis of destiny, and asking God, Lord, what are you going to say to me? And here's the thing. There was a picture that Anna took of my son and I, Ben, walking down this path on a road. And I knew straight away by the trees, by the dust on the earth, by the setting where I was and exactly the moment I was in. And in that instant, I remembered how I felt in that moment. I felt like I was lost. I felt like I was grabbing for ounces of hope. And I remembered now from where I stand today, looking back and feeling so different and just being so grateful to God that he never gave up on me, that he never stopped speaking to me, that he never stopped giving me words such as this word right now when preachers would preach that there is a hope when I'd come to a conference and people would prophesy over me or when I would gather with friends and they would just put an arm around me and say, Ryan, you're going to be okay. It's these little things that spoke so much hope that got me through the middle. But here's what I realized. There's a scripture. I'm going to read it to you. Because if you're caught in the middle, these are some of the reasons. You see, Exodus chapter 1 verse 12. When God's people were in Egypt, it says that the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. The more they were struck down, the more they were spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread because of the people of Israel. Let me tell you, I sat there yesterday, tears in my eyes, looking at this picture. It was just a picture, but I remembered what I was in. And I heard God say, Ryan, in the moments that you thought you were crushed the most, I was expanding you on the inside more than you could ever realize. The moments you thought you were the most lost between your goals, I was directing your steps to me. My presence is all you need. I am the rock on which I've called you to stand. I am the rock, the place that I have created for you in the midst of the middle for you to stand. And I want to speak to you if you're in the middle. God, you might feel oppressed. You might feel crushed. You might feel struck down. You might feel forsaken. You might feel lost. In that place right now, God is enlarging you. In that place right now, God is expanding you on the inside. In this place right now, you might not feel it, but God is growing you the most on the inside. You're going to look back in months and in years. And I want to prophesy, even in two weeks when something shifts at Resurrection Sunday, you're going to look back and you're going to say, God, I can see it now. God, I see what you're doing in my life. God, I see the growth that you've put in my life. The enemy tried to oppress you, but in that moment, God used it to grow you. They were multiplied. They were good. Come on, give God a hand. That's what he's doing in your life. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We speak hope even to our hearts on the inside, that from the inside out, you would multiply us. From the inside out, you would enlarge us. From the inside out, you would strengthen us, Lord Jesus. So there's three steps. I need to get through this. There's three steps. Almost three ingredients as, as we come to this place in the middle that I feel God wants to say to us. And they are this. He's, he is teaching us to stand on the rock, but he's telling us that he wants us to learn how to turn. And there's three things. He wants us to return, 
He wants us to turn aside and he wants us to turn over. The first one is the return. In this moment, Israel is caught in the middle, as I've been explaining to you. And the Bible says that they mourned. They stopped traveling, they stopped journeying, and they mourned. They came to a place of repentance. Repentance is the first turning that we need to come to. When we come to that place, we say, God, I've been leaning on goals other than you. I've been looking to pillars other than you. I've been desiring things other than you. Your presence is all that I need. You, Lord Jesus, are all that I need. And Jesus says this about himself in Matthew chapter 21. You don't have to turn. I'm just going to quote it to you. He says this, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is from the Lord and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus is talking about himself, but he's quoting David. I love talking about David. We're going to mention him again. David wrote this in Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. David is talking about himself. He's remembering that moment that I've said that he was cast out, that the kingdom that he was called to inherit was actually chasing him down and that he was caught in caves and running away. And he was rejected. But the one who was rejected by the eyes of the people has been chosen by the Lord to become the chief cornerstone. Look again at the places of rejection in your life. Look again at the places that feel the most painful. Because it's in this place that we don't want to miss the rejected things. Whenever we feel shaken, I ask myself, where have I rejected Jesus? Sometimes the hardest thing about repenting is because it's not doesn't feel like the right step in the world's eyes. You see, the world would look at that and say, that's a rejected thing. Let me give you an example. There's been so many times in my life when I'm caught in the middle, maybe it's a frustration, maybe it's a point of battle, and what our minds do is they want to go down the path of justice. They're going to go down the path of fairness, but that's not right. What they did was wrong. And I know this about them, and I know this about me, and I know this about your word. And we want to go down this path. And God just whispers to me, choose the rejected things. Sometimes it feels like in your act of repentance and taking the lowest place, that that's the rejected place. It is, it's rejected in the eyes of the world, but that's the place the Lord has taken. And come back and repent. Come back and forgive the people who've done that against you. Forgive yourself. Come back to that place where forgiveness is found, where you take the lowest place. And every single time, situations change. Have you ever, I'm asking you a question. If you want to put your hands up, you can, but who knows what I'm talking about? When you go through difficulty and you just can't find peace, you go to bed at night and you want to close your eyes and that situation plays in your mind because you're caught in the middle and you get really riled up. Oh man, you get angry. If I had a cat, I would have kicked it. <laughs> I wouldn't because I don't... Ooh. That's why I don't have cats. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a saying, okay? It's, a, it's an expression... I can just imagine the chat right now. Revival fires, cat haters. <laughs> no. We're, we're trying to move on in peace and we're so caught in the middle by our own frustrations. And we don't take the rejected path because it's the rejected path. It's the lowly path. It's the lowest path. But that's the place where God says, find me here. 
If we want to be people who come to the rock of Christ, we have to follow the lowly places that Christ has had. I'm not telling you that you're going to be the weakest and the lowest. I'm just telling you that that is the key to your turnaround. When we return, we return to the ways of Jesus. You see, the, the Bible talks about Jesus like this in Isaiah 8. He says that he will be a holy place. Jesus, remember, there is a place near me. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. But he will also be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that causes people to fall. You see, there is a rock where you can stand in the midst of the middle. There is a place near me. But so often we stumble over the rock because the rock wants us to forgive. And we don't choose to forgive and we end up stumbling over the very thing that's meant to become our foundation. Repentance is an inward change, but it has an outward expression. So here... The people of God, they mourn, and they, in their hearts, they repent. They don't travel along. The cloud doesn't move. They wait to see what God will do in the middle, but they do something very, very key. It says this in Exodus chapter 33. They begin to strip themselves of their ornaments. They begin to take off their jewelry. They, they take their necklaces off. They take their earrings off. They take their, their bangles off. They begin to strip themselves of their jewelry. Where did this jewelry come from? They were slaves for 430 years in a nation. Where did this jewelry come from? As God led them out of Egypt, the Egyptians gave them all of their blessings. They gave them all of their items of silver and gold, all of their jewelry. They gave them all their household articles, their idols and their, their statues. They gave it to them because they wanted them to leave their nation. But God was also paying them back for 430 years of hard service. What you're going through right now, God will pay you back. What you're going through right now, it'll never be missed out in the sight of the Lord. But this thing that they were going through, you see, their repentance on the inside, their heart saying, yeah, I will return to my Father God. I will return to the presence of the Lord. It also had an outward expression. You see, so often we, we don't make that final step from the inward expression to the outward expression. I'm not telling you to take all your jewelry off, but I'm saying that there are things in our lives that we have to leave behind as well to make that turning. There are things in our lives that we have to take off and we have to lay at the foot of the cross. I want you to see this. Later on in the book of Exodus, God tells Moses, well, he's actually told them how to do it, but they haven't, they haven't done it yet. God tells Moses how to build a tent of tabernacle the place where they meet God and he's listing some incredible items that they need to build they need to build altars and lampstands and tables and, and um, bowls and, and an ark of the covenant which no one's ever seen before because God had given him the blueprint and all these things had to be covered in gold where did the gold come from the ornaments that they stripped off at this point they came and they gave to Moses and the tabernacle. I want you to know, even in the midst of what you're going through, the very things that you hand over to the Lord, He will use for His glory. Some preachers have put it like this, and I'm going to, I don't know who said it, but I love it. God turns your mess into a message. God turns your test into a testimony. God turns the things that have trapped you into the past as the very place where his glory comes to dwell. I don't know how he does it, but I tell you this, he is the God of redemption. He is the one who can take broken things and make them whole. He is the one who takes things that are not and calls them as though they are. He is the one who turns things around. He is the one who in the midst of what you're going through right now, he's saying to you, 
soon you will look at this and you're going to see the greatest glory because my presence as you prioritize my presence in the midst of your situation you're going to see the turnaround so those very things there was an outward change and that's why so often um even here at revival fires we give calls for response you know, if you come forward and you receive prayer, is there something special about the ground at the front? Yes, there is. Not really. Why do we have response? Because there's an outward expression of what God is doing internally. Why do we say, praise the Lord with us, clap your hands, raise your hands, whatever. Why do we look for some of these physical expressions? Because they're an outward sign of what God is doing on the inside of me. They're an outward sign of what God is doing on the inside of us. And so there, there is an importance even around that. Bring what you have to the Lord. The second one is this. He's calling us to return. And I don't know what that application is to you. Only you know. But just return in the midst of what you're going through and say, Lord, have I rejected your presence in any of this? Have I rejected your ways in any of this? How do I need to realign myself in this place of prayer. And the second one is he calls us to turn aside. God wants us to turn aside into a place of encounter. Moses then, he makes a tent for encounter outside the camp. I want you to hear this. This wasn't the tabernacle of Moses. This wasn't that big structure with the gold tent posts and the seal skin and the Holy of Holies and all the chambers inside. It was just a regular tent, but he took this tent and he turned aside. He went out of the camp, he set it up, and he said, this is the tent of meeting. You see, he realized if I'm going to prioritize God's presence, there has to be an outward sign, but I want to make a place where I can turn aside and be with God. Here in the middle, I love that you've come on Sunday. I love that you people, guys are watching on the streams. Our prayer is that this becomes a place where we turn aside and we, ex we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit where we have an experience with God. And we can turn aside even without coming to church. I'm not saying don't come on Sunday. We have to never um, forsake the gathering of the saints. But daily, have a place where you turn aside and you meet with God. Moses sought God even though this was not the completed tabernacle. So often we wait for things to be completed before we can step into it. But God says, no, my presence is always here for you. There's nothing more complete than his presence. The temporary tent was establishing a permanent truth. Seek the Lord. And he did this outside the camp. You see, there's some things that we have to leave behind to follow God. We have to separate ourselves from the world to be one with God. This is consecration. And Moses was actually reliving. In his returning, he was reliving the commands that God did to him at the burning bush. Here he is, a shepherd walking past the bush. And he, hears, he sees first a bush that's burning but that's not burning, that's not being consumed, and he hears a voice, turn aside, come here, and, he, and he, he obeys the voice. You see, he's creating a place of encounter. He's remembering how to seek God. He's learning to turn. He's going back and doing the things that he did at first, and this inspires worship. As you read in, in Exodus 33, it says that every Man in Israel stood at the entrance to his tent. Every child in Israel stood at the entrance to his tent. Every wife, every woman stood at the entrance to his tent. And as Moses went into the tent of meeting to meet with the Lord, they worshipped at their entrance. Worship marks the returning that we have. 
as we worship God, something shifts in our lives. He takes that middle moment and we say, Lord, I, we say, Lord, I am prioritizing your presence. That's what worship is. Yeah, it's great having a band and the sound, but we are entering into that place where we say, Lord, nothing else matters. All the gold of slavery, all the garlic and stews of slavery, all the promise of milk and honey, nothing else matters but your presence. And in that place, we turn aside. We, we create the place for encounter. And I'm going to begin to close with this. And this is the third one, turnover. So and God's teaching us to learn to turn. He's teaching us to stand on his rock by returning, by turning aside, and now by turning over. What do I mean by turning over? Let me tell you. We are found on the foundation of God's words. Everything that Moses prayed that I read out in Exodus chapter 33 is a repeat. Say that word, repeat. It's a repeat of what God said to Moses at the burning bush. God said to him, Exodus 3 verse 12, I will be with you. God said to him, turn aside. Take off your shoes, you know, separate, move yourself, I'll consecrate. He, Moses is repeating everything that God said to him. And here's the point I want, I want to make. We have to learn how to align ourselves correctly on the foundation of Jesus. You see, Jesus, I quoted Matthew 21. This is the full sentence. He says, the stones, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is from the Lord. It is marvelous in our eyes. And anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. Anyone. So God's the rejected stone. He's become the cornerstone. But anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. The word in Greek is syntheo, syntheo, which means together broken. I'm trying to get my head around that. But anyone on whom the rock falls will be crushed. And I'm, I'm asking God, Lord, what does that mean? And I've never seen it this way before. And let me, let me give it to you. Have you been asking yourself for more effective prayer? Have you been asking yourself to see more answered prayer? Have you been asking yourself to get out of the middle place? Have you been asking yourself to achieve more of what the Lord wants to see in your life? That doesn't happen until we pray in alignment with the Word of God. But in, and that alignment is when we position ourselves between two places, the cornerstone and the capstone. See, so often we try and we make our dream for our life the foundation and we say, God, here is my plan for my life. I have a pretty good plan. I'm 40 years old. I went to university. I went to high school. I went to school. I was pretty good in my rugby team. I'm a great musician. I have a plan for my life, God. Here it is, A, B, C, D, E. Would you come and bless this plan? And what happens? When God comes, it can feel like a rock is fallen upon us. Because he's saying, okay, you want to build? Here's the foundation that you build on. My rock. And the rock comes, and it crushes that. Everything that I thought I was building, it's like, God, where is it? He says, it's underneath my rock. Because the only place you can build is on the rock. The only place that you can have anything effective is on the rock. And then there's Ryan number two, or you version number two. Lord, I did all of that. What's your plan for me? And he says, here's the rock. Come and fall on the rock. And everyone will be syntheo. What does that mean? He says, together crushed. It's the same word that's used in Psalm chapter 51. And David says of the Lord, oh man, I'm quoting David a lot. David, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you. He says this, the sacrifices that the Lord delights in 
are a broken heart, a broken and a contrite spirit. You see, as soon as we begin to build our lives on the rock of Jesus Christ, we synthesize. It's the same word as to synthesize something, to put something back together. We take all the pieces of our lives that are unpacked on the rock of Christ. They're unpacked on the foundation. And he says, now come, let me begin to put you back together. Let me begin to put you in a place where you have the most important thing first. Will you begin to see the way I see you? Because in the middle, God sees you. Will you begin to understand that I'm aligning you between the cornerstone and the capstone? And that is the place where I am going to give you the most effectiveness. That is the place where you're going to see the most fruitfulness. And I found myself, even even in this place, um, I said, well, be honest, let's be honest. God, would you give me a ministry of healing the sick? God, I want to I wanna be so full with your presence that when I lay my hands on sick people, they're instantly healed. And God, I need that. You know, your, your, your word needs that. And, and I need that, you know. And I do. We do. And God says, yes, Ryan, that's coming. But right now what I've put in you is a, a gifting to disciple people. Grow in that first. So I'm over here saying, God, I need more. And you know, we can do this even with spiritual things. We can try to get God to build his foundation upon my foundation over here. Guess what? He'll bring it over, but he has to start again and it's crushed. But actually I'm realizing, okay, God, I want to do that. And he's saying, yeah, but just come over here. This is the foundation I've got you on right now. What is it about human beings that we want to run before we can walk? It's in all of us. Don't worry. And he says, Ryan, this is what I called you to. Right now I'm growing in you a gifting of teaching and discipleship. The rest will come, but grow on this place. You see, I could continue trying to pursue a ministry God hasn't called me to. But you know what would happen? The church would stop growing. Because that's not what God's called us to in this season. I'm not saying healing is not important. Don't hear, hear that. I'm talking about me personally. You guys are getting this, right? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is from the Lord. But anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. But anyone whom it falls will be crushed. So we align our lives on the cornerstone. We align our lives like David did in Psalm 51. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. I bring this to you. On Christ, the solid rock, we will stand. How many times have you prayed for this in your life? The glory of the Lord. Come on, put your hands up. Who's prayed to see more of the glory of the Lord? Yeah, yeah, good, honest people. What about this? How many times have you prayed for favor, for the favor of the Lord? Yeah? How many times have you prayed for God to be with you? Yeah, God, I want you to be with me in this situation. What about this one? How many times have you prayed for more of the presence of the Lord? You see, all of these things, these are... These are prayers that we pray all the time. And Moses prays them in Exodus 33, as I've read to you. And here comes the answer of the Lord, the answer of God. There is a place prepared by me where you can stand on the rock. I want you to know that on the rock of Jesus Christ, all of God's favor falls upon you. On the rock of Jesus Christ, all of God's presence falls upon you. On the rock of Jesus Christ, all of the favor of God falls upon you. But here's the one, on the rock of Jesus Christ, all of the goodness of God falls upon you. Whoa, we prayed for glory. And here God is saying, I let my goodness pass before you. What's the deal? 
God's glory is revealed in his goodness. I like that song this morning, Jude. I'll sing because you are good. We don't just sing it because it makes us dance, but the more we see the goodness of God, the more we see his glory. And he wants us to be built upon the rock because there is a weight of glory. The Bible uses the word kabod. It's a weighty presence. There is a weight of glory that if we weren't on the rock, we wouldn't be able to hold, to stand, to carry. There's a weight of glory being poured out. And so we come and we say, Lord, we need these things. We want to learn how to stand upon the rock of Jesus. We, we come and we align our lives on your rock. And I, I want to end with this. There's five uh, words, and they all begin with C and an S. Say a C, C and an S. And they have taught me Someone taught me this, and I've just, every opportunity, whether it's in a time of pastoring individuals or even when the Lord speaks to me, these have become such a helpful foundation. How do we align our lives on the rock of Christ? The first is that by commanding Scripture, the Bible and the Word of God. How do I know what the foundation is for my life, Ryan? How do I know what that is? You read the Bible. You read the word. As you read it, there are scriptures in your life that your heart begins to resonate with. There are scriptures in your lives that you just come alive with. For me, my life scripture is Psalm chapter 27, verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold his beauty and to seek him in his temple. I remember the moment I read that scripture. I was a spotty 17-year-old teenager. I was on a holiday in the nation of Mozambique in a tent, camping. My parents were out on the beachfront somewhere and I was, I was reading the Bible and I read Psalm chapter 27 verse 4 and I spent the whole afternoon reading it and reading it and the more I read it, the more overjoyed I was becoming. The more I read it, the more my, my, I felt like my whole heart was vibrating like, Lord, this is, this is me. This dude, David, when he wrote that, it's like he was writing it about me. This is what my life is about. I want to be about the presence of God, the house of God. So isn't it interesting that I'm working for a church? I want to be about the glory of the Lord. You see, there are things for your destiny and your future that you will only discover when you get into the word, the commanding scripture. You want to know the foundation? You want to know the rock? Know the word. The second one, this is the compelling spirit. The Holy Spirit, he begins to speak to you. He begins to confirm things in your lives. He begins to talk to you. And I like this order because we love the prophetic, but I want you to know that there is a culture where we need to hear what the Lord is saying to us for ourselves first and foremost. If the first time I had heard that my life was going to be about the church was from the mouth of someone else and God hadn't told that to me myself, I would have nothing to confirm the word with. I'm talking quickly, but I think you get that. Scripture of God first, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and then the counsel of the saints, the church and the relationships. There, are, there is strength that we give to one another through the counsel of the saints. There is wisdom that we impart to one another. There is this thing called common sense. I love that one. Do you know that the Lord talks us through reason and discernment and through wisdom? There is a common sense as well that he brings. And finally, there are circumstantial signs. 
providence, the prophetic, the way that the Lord talks to us. But all of this starts on the scripture of God. Get to know his word. Get into the Bible. He is speaking to you morning by morning. He wants to awaken your ear like the ear of a disciple through the word of God. That we would build our lives on the rock of Christ and that we would learn to stand. So I want to end with this when I said about the, the council of the saints. Let me read to you 1 Peter chapter 2. It says this in verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen and precious in God's sight. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who believes in him will never be put to shame. You believe then, this stone is precious. It was Peter who wrote this scripture, the same Peter who Jesus said to him, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And together, as we build our life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, we are found in his presence, but we together, the the united us, we begin to build the church. And it's a glorious church on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I want to move into a time of ministry. This is what I really feel. Uh, There are those of my precious children. This is what God said to me this morning. I said, Lord, how how are we going to land this? I know that you want people to look again in the midst of the middle. I know that you want people to, to discover your foundation again. I know that you want us to host your presence above all else. But here's what he said. There are those of my precious children who have felt as though they are walking through a flood, as though their footsteps have not been firm, as though the steps they have been taking have been washed away. They can't seem to find a sure footing in the flood. But today, I want them to know that I love them and that I have laid a firm foundation for them to walk on. There are those that feel as though they have taken two steps forward and one step back. Today, this changes Today they can stand on my rock. And there are those who feel shaken by the world around them, shaken by financial systems, by health systems, by governmental systems. I'm calling you to stand on the rock. Look, I'm placing a foundation stone today in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It's a precious cornerstone that's safe to build on. And the third, I talked about returning, turning aside and overturning. When we come to this place with Jesus, He wants to overturn defeat in your life into victory. He wants to overturn mourning in your life into joy. He wants to overturn sickness in your life into health. He wants to overturn confusion into confidence, frustration into a foundation, places where we've been retreating into a resolution that this is what God has called me to be. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.